welcome to another episode of Visitings, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside the traditional exhibition space. My name is Alan Nakagawa, and I'll be your host. Joseph Kunkel is an architect, a Northern Cheyenne tribal member, and the executive director of Sustainable Native Communities Collaborative. Their work can be viewed at www.sustainablenativecommunities.org. I was able to sit down with Joseph at the Corcoran School of the Arts and Design in Washington, D.C., where he teaches for George Washington University. Uh, Also, the following um, audio is a little noisy. We were in uh, Joseph's office and the air conditioning unit was on, so I apologize for that. I'm Joseph Kunkel, uh, the executive director of the Sustainable Native Communities Collaborative, an organization that focuses, a nonprofit organization that focuses on community development within Indian country. I also have an academic appointment at the George Washington University College of Art and Design in Washington, D.C., which allows me to um, engage critically around social justice issues in the arts. Let's start with what we were talking about in the hallway, this idea you're teaching students, both masters and batch, bachelor level. Yes. And you're, you're kind of thinking about, you know, when I was at that level, and I don't know which level you were specifically talking about, mm-hmm. probably undergraduate, I would imagine, you know, what, what would you have liked? What, what tools would you have liked to engage in the kind of work that you're doing now? I think just being exposed. So when at the university level, well, when I was an undergraduate, just understanding that this body of work or this kind of this this area, this area of study actually exists. Like you don't, and when you're not exposed to it, you you don't know what you don't know, basically. And I think being able to be in the classroom and teaching students around uh, social justice issues in the arts, access, equity, equality issues, and how design and systems design or systems thinking can impact uh, communities is pretty powerful. And so exposing them to projects that we believe are doing this and exposing them to practice architecture, art, design, etc., actually gives them a some something to grasp on and something to look at and and really uh, use as a use as a base point uh, a, a jumping off point part of it too is how do you develop a curriculum around social justice and the arts uh, Right, not art for art's sake, but the potential to make an impact. How do you do that, Joseph? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we're starting to get there. I think yeah. uh, Sanjit Sethi, Sanjit Sethi, the director of the uh, the design school here, is starting to develop curriculum and 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 systems that allow 
for design students to to kind of start to make an impact and i think it's it's getting there um and it, that's what i find to be potentially exciting too is kind of be on the ground floor around public interest design social impact design uh design and social justice i think there's a lot of tangents and there's a lot of places to make impact um, and the idea for this body of knowledge to be housed in an institution rather than an individual is also incredibly important, right? Okay. So it's not one person that is in charge of this theory or, or one this, community or one community, right. yeah, or one and like one knowledge holder. So uh, how do you share that? How do you kind of develop and allow it to mature, right? So it needs to kind of mature out of that individual and, and be able to for many people to take 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 it and, and make it their own and, 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 and test it and critique it and unwind it and then build it back up and, and so on. So. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about the organization that you represent. Mm -hmm. The other, the other hat the that other you hat. wear. Yeah. Um, How's that going? What are you guys working on right now? It's going. Um, so Sustainable Native Communities Collaborative, a nonprofit design firm that focuses on community development. Specifically, we, we, we were organized to focus on affordable housing in Indian country. How do we bring more affordable housing to, the, to Native America? Um, and me being a tribal member, I'm a Northern Cheyenne tribal member, we, we wanted to try and uncover or demystify the development process in Indian country. So we were doing that by similar to what you were doing in LADOT is building the capacity of tribal housing authorities, of tribes, trying to make sure that they understand the complex ways in which financing and dollars and design and planning go, trying to kind of build their capacity to understand those those spaces. So we're currently working in several communities, the Spokane tribe in eastern uh, Washington, where we're looking at uh, solar PV, cultural resiliency issues, community development, affordable housing, where we've worked with them in the past around facilities planning. They also have a workforce development crew that focuses on housing. How do we leverage their ability to use housing as an economic development uh, arm. Uh, how do they really try and uh, become their own developers, their own makers, uh, by leveraging their Indian Housing Block Grant? And then... We're working with two different communities in South Dakota, the Crow Creek Sioux Reservation, uh, and the uh, Pine Ridge Reservation, where we're looking at Palm Pine Ridge disaster resiliency issues after tremendous storms or like really big storms that come in. How do they rebuild build back better? The Crow Creek Sioux Reservation, we've been working on a couple projects, a 60-unit housing development, developing a housing prototype and trying to scale that and build home ownership. And then a community center uh, for a, for the youth, so a youth community center. Um, in upstate New York, we're working on another hundred 
plus unit housing development with the Mohawk tribe, the Aquasani uh, tribe, um, and developing what they're calling an eco-village. So how do you develop a sustainable, culturally resilient community that that is specific to Mohawk? Um, so then, and what, then... What does that mean, specific to Mohawk? So... Can on that? Yeah, so... interesting. We... I mean, all the projects that we we work on are specific to place, and so it's similar to all these terms around placekeeping, placemaking, creative placemaking, etc. We develop, we as practicing professionals, architects, planners, we want to make sure that whatever we design is specific to the community that we're working in. So, what an eco a Mohawk eco eco village, it will be a village that is designed with the place in context, so building on their traditional uh, cultural forms. In, their, in that instance, it's the longhouse. And so how are we understanding their sense of community, their sense of place, their sense of space, and putting that into a planning process so that we build on the culture, the place, the community, their knowledge, and, and something that will be specifically designed for Mohawk. Something that we design at Mohawk will be totally different than something we design in Spokane. So mm -hmm. trying to develop that, that idea around uh, the community. The, the so, so what's a longhouse? So in that sense, so in Mo at Mohawk, uh, a longhouse was a longhouse that many different families lived in, um, and there was divided up into different areas. And so we're trying to not copy paste that that house form or that traditional cultural form, but trying to rethink it and apply it to modern construct construction methods and and design criteria. So it might be an attached long building that has many different units, one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, four bedroom that might be have some shared walls. Uh, we can scale that up and because of um, the scales of economy, we can try and understand how that might bring down the cost of construction. So we're trying to find traditional ways, learning from the old and building new, similar to some of the theories and ideas that we were talking about in class, right? You can't just build new carte blanche and just, you want to learn from the past. Right. And so how are we learning from the past, but uh, building in a contemporary modern era? Had that, has that been attempted before in architecture in their community? So only in their traditional in their traditional social building. So in their places of meeting, so all the elders and the cultural leaders meet, a long, meet in a longhouse. Okay. And so they have their traditional meetings in a longhouse and so on, but it's that, in that sense, it's only a place for meeting. Where now we're trying to rethink, well, what does that longhouse mean for a place of living? And so we're trying to learn from the past, knowing that this was a, at once a place of living, and trying to bring that back to the community and, and rethinking, well, this is these are traditional ways of living. Um, we're not going to live in a communal structure anymore, but we can kind of blend. So it's that another way of kind of living in those two worlds. Western society is not going away. We're going to use Western construction techniques, Western design practices, but we can d design that in a way that uh, builds in or kind of 
takes into consideration traditional forms, traditional ways, cultural uh, responsiveness, and so on. Can you give me an anecdote of when you were brainstorming that with the community? Like, how did that go? Yeah, I did mean, did they bring it up, or did you bring it up, or well, or we've was it already known. It, well, it was already known. I mean, because they know they they're. They're their own cult- cultural bearers. Uh, they know their own histories. But what we did is saying that this is uh, just kind of posing the question like, this is, we can bring this back. This is not something that has to disappear. Mm-hmm. So, as designers, we can pose those questions like, this can be brought back into the community. And so, it, during our first community meeting, we talked about the old traditional cultural forms. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a community meeting in the next, next week, in the next couple weeks. With the with the tribe, will where we'll present ideas that are based around this. So we haven't yet presented the the kind of ideas in paper form. We have we we've now put pen to paper and and have made it semi real, where we can present these concepts and ideas and, and drawings, renderings, and, and so on, so they can visually see it and and give us feedback. Yes, this is right. Yes, we want to do this, or no, this is totally wrong, or you've gone way off base here. We don't want to do this. So, and that's the kind of cultural. That's the community design process where we want to make sure that we're designing with the community instead of for the community. And so that's really important for us to have these community meetings to uh, to throw out ideas and critique them and, and comment and give us feedback. The the folks that you're working with specifically, do they have a design background or? No, I mean a lot. A lot of the times we're dealing with communities that are marginalized, that don't necessarily, that um, don't have access to design professionals, right? So historically, architecture and design has been been for those that can afford it, can can hire architects, can hire engineers. Um, you look at maybe the more well-off they can go and pay for those design professionals. Where I see it, uh, we, we again have an obligation to make sure that whatever we're designing, even for the most marginalized populations, that they deserve, they get good design. They, they're able to access good design. And I think that's our main focus is that how do we bring that design language and that conversation to those that might not necessarily be intertwined with it day to day or understand what what how to, how that process works. So part of us part of our job is again developing that muscle or that language or that capacity within the community to say that you too deserve good design. Like you too uh, should be living in communities and buildings and and places that are well designed so that they can inspire you to be successful in life. Inevitably it comes down to Hopefully, we're inspiring uh, ways of developing better communities. And who's the team? Is it just you, or no, no? So we have a design team. Uh, our I have a design director, Nathaniel Corum, who is uh, also who we we both shared uh, the Enterprise Rose Architectural Fellowship. Uh, that was offered to us. So it was a three-year fellowship that allowed us to be in this space to kind of understand the landscape. I, we also have an, an amazing uh, board of developers, uh, architects, planners, ec- economists, 
uh, policy makers. So our board is uh, really strong advocates for this work. We have uh, partners that we've worked with um, that kind of bring technical capacity to our organization. We're looking to expand as well we, as we grow the body of work and the portfolio and hopefully funders. We're always looking for foundations to fund the work that we're doing because we can't do this for free. We need to value it. Um, we're always kind of trying to grow the organization. Um, yeah. So these communities, one of the criteria is, is their economic status. You're looking for communities who normally can't afford mm -hmm. uh, architect or... Well, we're looking at communities that, uh, yeah, that that are looking for a sustainable planning, cultural resilience uh, method, or that yes, they might want to develop housing, but maybe they don't understand these processes. I mean, we're always interested in tribes that are interested in pushing the bounds in affordable housing, mm -hmm. in community development, and that could benefit from a set of skills that we have to offer. I think that's always, uh, that's something we're always looking for in a project. How does art play a role in all of that? Mm -hmm. Obviously they're designed. Well, design, yeah. I, I also think, I mean, native communities, tribal communities, in Indian country, they've had this tangent or this direct connection to the arts, right? Many, many people within the communities that we work in are artists themselves, whether or not they self-identify or they've been professionally or non-professionally trained, like they're makers, they're doers. Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure that that is integrated into the design process, the planning process, that we, we've identified the importance that culture plays in the development and design process. So uh, whatever it is, whether it's pottery, jewelry, basket weaving, um, that uh, those symbols, the, those traditional ways of making are integrated into the development process. So if they're artists, that they have spaces within the housing units or within the community facilities to practice their artwork, or if they're makers, that they have access to those spaces that that makes their job relatively easy or easily accessible. Um, if they're make their cooks or they they cater and they make food for community events or that's their main source of income, maybe there's a community kitchen that's shareable, that they can scale up their, their, their ability to make food or so on. So we want to make sure that that's integrated into the process that we're offering. Yes, a lot of the people, I mean, that's where we've developed a lot, our body of knowledge is from the community. We've asked, we, we, we sat with many different organizations and families and people within the community and they understand, oh, when I was a kid, we used to play there, or this used to be a farmland, or now this is this. So being able to hear those stories it has helped us understand what are the potentials for the site. Right, so historically, an architect would come in and basically provide, be provided a program and just design. 
uh, and plan from there, where I think we're trying to work with the various entities that allow us to be most successful. And so, yeah, we're going what we think is common practice. Like this is this is just best practices. This is what we've learned working in the in Indian country with these communities, uh, with um, the people that we think are going to be most impacted by the project projects. Yeah. So, I'd like to go a little bit more in depth in the the art, the cultural mm-hmm. aspect. So. So let's take canoe. Mm-hmm. How are you, c- can you describe what that is in the Mohawk community and how that affected your current direction with the project? And what, I shouldn't say your current, but the project's mm-hmm. direction. Project, yeah. yeah. I mean, so the canoe, from what we've been told, I mean, is basically a hollowed out uh, tree, right? They cut down the tree, they hollow it out. Is it a specific? That's uh, a specific type of wood. I don't know what wood or what type of tree that is, but it's probably a lot of cedar up there. Cedar, Maybe. I forget. They they have different bark canoes as well, but that that historic tradition of making has been hugely important, um, and they have that kind of relationship to the water, their relationship to making, doing, and I think. There's a direct tangent to how we are potentially seeing the development. How do they develop a workforce around making, around doing, so that they're not necessarily contracting the making of the units off the reservation to them themselves being the developer, being the makers, being the contractors. So that direct tangent that these skill sets should live within the community and they've historically been here. Mm-hmm. So how do, how are they redeveloped? How, how do you kind of have that conversation that are spe- that's specific to Mohawk? Um, not everyone is going to go off to college. Not everyone is, wants to go to college or uh, should go to college. And so how do we develop that kind of workforce, that labor force that can also be profitable and be a way of living? Um, so sustainable. You mentioned that earlier, sustainability. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. Cultural sustainability, uh, ecologically sustainable, um, building homes that are energy efficient in terms of energy sustainability. So we can use sustainability in many different ways. But I think it's like trying to really hone in and try and understand how that's making an impact. There's the Santa Domingo Tribal Housing Authority project, which is uh, that's located about 20 minutes south of Santa Fe in New Mexico, 40 minutes north of Albuquerque. That is a 41-unit housing project with a 3,000-square-foot community center located on a commuter rail that connects the Pueblo or the reservation, Santa Domingo, to Santa Fe and Albuquerque. Um, it's located where the station is. Yes. So it's a rural transit-oriented development instead of uh, an urban transit. So they have access to public transportation. They are artists. They, they have access to the Santa Fe art market, the, the, the idea that they can hop on the commuter rail and access those art markets, maybe healthy food, higher education, the universities uh, in Albuquerque. So it's really 
how do you bring access to a rural community? And I think that's Santa Domingo and this development Wadi is a very is a very specific example of how that could be done. Um, and what is also exciting is that this is the first time that they've integrated one, two, one, two, one and two bedroom units. So historically, they've only built the housing authorities only built three and four bedroom units because that was at most need. Now, understanding that people want to come back to the community, they've integrated a one and two bedroom apartment to <clears throat> bring that population back. The younger population that might not have kids, that might not have, not might not be a full family, so that they can give access and bring that that population back. Oh, that's <clears throat> great. Yeah. Did did art play a role in the development of that For sure. <clears throat> so there. So Santa Domingo, seventy-five percent of the artists are also makers. They're potters, they're jewelers, silversmiths. So in this particular project, we also, it was a project that was also funded in part by the National Endowments for the Arts that got an Our Town grant and then Our Place America also invested in the in the project to connect the the this specific development to the village. So how do you develop a piece of infrastructure? They got an art walk. So art is actually on the project, the art walk. How are you hiring art, art, local artists to develop nodes that connects two housing developments, uh, a rental project and a home ownership project. The rental project, the 41 unit housing project, also has 41 sheds or also that could also be artist studios. Oh, so ev- sheds? Yeah, I mean, they're storage sheds. So in the low-income housing tax credit application, we had to qualify them as sheds to fund it. But knowing that most of the families rely on the arts as, as, as a main source of income, we wanted to provide a space outside of the family uh, unit or out of the, uh, the family structure or the housing structure because when you're grinding things that, provide, that puts particulates into the air, you don't want to be smelling those, especially young kids as their lungs are developing. So you want to, this was a way to look at public health and public health issues, pull that making outside of the, the family unit or the housing unit and put it in this shed that, ha, that is designed in a way to be a, an, a studio. And so knowing that that happens, how do we, how do we, um, how do, we do that? How do you do that, Joseph? Uh, we develop, we, yeah, we develop these sheds outside the unit. So we. Did you work with the artists in the community on develop, developing some of that? Yes. Oh. So, and that was something that came out of the conversations, those initial community engagement conversations that we were working with at Mohawk. So, at Mohawk, we're in the beginning stages where those beginning stages happened way in 2013 and now it's 2017 so it's a long process so we had those conversations with the community with tribal leaders on how to what to design for that knowing that those spaces were important how do we how do we put that into the program how do we plan for that and integrate it into the development piece can you share a a kind of like a a, a aha moment that happened during that process if you could remember that well, it was Several years it basically that conversation with the artists. It's like they're makers, they're doers. They, when visiting some of the artists, they were making on their dining room table, and it was like, well, let's oh. let's design a space that you don't have to do this on the dining room table. That you can grind in a out, outside shed. There was also many families also bought sheds and put them in their backyard. 
So how can we, knowing that there's not a lot of resources, financial resources, financial capital to do that, like how do we provide that opportunity and make it easier for them to make their artwork? Absolutely. So it was like, yeah, this is common sense, just do it. Right. Uh, integrate it into the program, integrate it into the process. and. Had that ever been done before yeah. with their community? No. Wow, that's pretty so, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not rocket science. It was kind of, like I said, common sense to think. Just being there for a period of time, it's like, yes. But it had never been done before. It's never been done yeah. before. Okay. So that's where I think our process is a lot different than the, the, than the traditional architectural planning design process. We want to make sure that this is integrated into the overall. your group or will your group uh, want to change policy on I think a lot of the work is I mean we want to show that there's an appetite for this work in Indian country that tribes are taking advantage of the federal systems the the dollar that they have access to and that it this inevitably would change how dollars are allocated how policy is allocated or developed we think Indian housing policy could definitely be changed by the work that we're doing and showing that tribes really need access to more capital, access to more home loan guarantee programs, uh, grants, uh, guaranteed loans, etc. Like if we develop that capacity in Indian country to do this work, show examples of really good work being done, that will inevitably impact the way in which policy is written to advocate for better housing, better standards, better equity and equality. That concludes another episode of Visitings. Thank you to Joseph Kunkel for being on the show. Thanks, uh, as always, to the Echo Park Film Center, Machine Projects, and Dub Lab for letting me share this. Um, I'm Alan Akagawa, sitting in my living room in Koreatown, saying thank you for listening to Visitings. Oh, my God.